Welcome back to the Nick Taylor Horror Show. Carter Smith is a writer, director, and fashion photographer. He's directed such movies as The Ruins, Jamie March is Dead, and the recent Into the Dark film for Blumhouse, Midnight Kiss, now streaming on Hulu. Carter's had a pretty interesting career, having shot fashion photography for publications including Vogue, GQ, and W Magazine. Carter's directorial career began with directing commercials for clients such as Lancome, Tommy Hilfiger, and Tiffany's. In 2006, Carter directed the short horror film Bug Crush, based on the short story by Scott Trelevin. Probably butchered that name, I apologize. The film won the Short Filmmaking Award at the Sundance Film Festival, which led Carter to directing feature-length movies. We hear about Carter's entire director origin story, thoughts on the state of queer horror, and we do a fair share of geeking out about our favorite horror movies of 2019. All of this and so much more on today's episode of the Nick Taylor Horror Show. Now, please give it up for Carter Smith. Carter Smith in the house. How's it going? I'm good. Happy to be here. Good, good. Happy to uh, happy to see you. So, how's everything been going for uh, for for your latest Into the Dark project? I know you just wrapped it. It's not out yet. Yeah, what, comes uh, out comes out soon. It's been like a speeding train. That's, yeah. that's the closest thing to 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 compare it to from the very beginning. Yeah. Well, I'm curious what the whole process is like with Blumhouse because, from what I understand, they give you kind of these guidelines and you 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 can work within certain parameters. But what how and because all of the all of the the Into the Dark stuff that I've seen, it all feels like it's of us in a similar kind of universe they all feel very uniform in a way yeah so what's the what was the process like uh well i mean for me the process i got the script on like a friday night i okay. read it for the first time i had a call with them monday morning and uh tuesday i was on a flight to la and went straight from the airport to tech scout whoa yeah so they don't it mess was, around at Blumhouse. Yeah, no, I mean this was. I mean, it was, I think this one was a little unusual in the in the in the sort of the pacing of it all. But yeah. you know, it, it it definitely is a, is a very quickly moving setup. How um, long do they give you to shoot? Sixteen days. Whoa. Yeah, and when you have you know stunts and practical effects and visual effects and you know all the stuff that that kind of comes with with you know genre stuff it can be yeah. pretty tricky to to manage that time effectively yeah. but i think that's why i think that's why they stick to a a formula that seems to work in terms of like limiting the number of locations right. limiting the number of characters i mean just sort of independent filmmaking stuff that's kind of smart uh is that what they give you this you can only have so many characters only have so many locations uh, i mean I, I don't think that there's like a re, like a you know like a set limit but it it's definitely like, you know, 75% of the movie takes place in one location, right. you know, then, you know, you can kind of right. you know, for the pick low and budget, choose, you know, the rest of your locations. Like, may, you might get one or two other places. Right. Well, that's always been their bread and butter. I mean, the, most of their movies take place in a single location. And, yeah. you know, you can clearly do a lot with a single location. Yeah. Yeah. They must have taught you a lot about, I mean, you've done a number of movies in the past, but were there any big learning experiences that came from either Blumhouse or working in this kind of environment? Um, I think that the biggest thing that I learned was that, you know, on a, on a show like this, where you don't really have as much time as you would like to, to prep and to, you know, to, to sort of figure out what you're going to do is you just have to trust your gut. And like, if your gut tells you the camera should be like mm -hmm. over here and in a two shot, you know, whatever it is that you're thinking like that 
becomes like you don't have a chance to, to second right. guess yourself. Then there's no going back and saying, look, we'll get it from here and we'll get it from there. Or like you kind of have to just be prepared to embrace the, you know, the gut level of it all. Well, do you find yourself looking at the movie, seeing the initial shot that you just that came from your gut and find yourself thinking, damn, I was right. Or had I had another hour, I probably would have overthought it and probably would have ruined it. I mean, no, I was I'm pretty happy with, you know. Yeah. W- yeah. I mean, I think that I, I would I would be would have been petrified if this is my first film and mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of filmmakers that are that are or some filmmakers anyway that are doing their first sort of feature length project in this format yeah. Yeah. and I think that must be really tough because there really isn't time to you know to to mess around right well, yeah I think it's interesting that Blumhouse is doing this where they're they're taking a number of interesting directors and then just giving them this kind of playground it feels like it's sort of like a launch pad or incubator yeah. for their future directors that they either want yeah. to kind of test the metal of and or nourish and see who they're like working with who's difficult who's easy right. like you know all that stuff yeah. it's super smart yeah, yeah. Done, like, it's, I mean it still is TV too I mean so right. it's, it's technically it's streaming so you know there are you know there are studio executives involved and there you know there are notes called and meetings, so it's not just like you're sort of operating in a, you know, your own little indie magical world. I mean, right. you're definitely like working within a system where there's a lot of people that have opinions, mm-hmm. you know, which can be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm sure that it's it because it, it does have sort of a TV Black Mirror feel to it. Yeah, I yeah. feel like big long Black Mirror episodes, while yeah. still being cinematic, but they definitely have a TV feel to them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's you know, it's a queer horror film, which I think is something that like isn't really all that common. Yeah, and it feels like it's it's a genre that will start emerging more. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the funny the thing, the the weird thing is, is like I didn't know there was such a audience for queer horror film. like that there was the gay horror was a thing yeah i didn't either until um until i saw scream queens the documentary yeah and then the which is which is great yeah you know and awesome. you re- i mean i was i the first time i saw someone that i identified with on on screen was in freddy was in the too? too yeah i was like oh i i i recognize that guy like and it's you know it's weird and i think that for so long you know people have been sort of, you know, queer people, gay people, you know, they have, have sort of had to deal with these sort of coded subtextual right. representation that we've gotten in horror films and haven't really like, you know, maybe there's a sidekick, maybe there's like a com- comedic relief and, you know, there's something kind of uh, exciting and interesting about like being able to make a Blumhouse film, you know, for Hulu where the entire, like all of the characters pretty much are are gay you know and it's sort of that's not not what the story is about right you know it's like sort of secondary to, to you know to what's uh you know to the actual slasher horror of it right it's just a, a given in the in this context yeah as I mean, in this con- to, yeah, it's not it's not not like you know that's not what it's about right it's not know, a movie about being gay it's no, just it, there's there's it's, a number of gay characters and it's just yeah natural yeah yeah, which was well, really it interesting. Feels like the whole um, the queer horror movement is is becoming a little bit more ubiquitous in a way. I mean, there's the horror noir, which I don't know if you saw that yep. documentary. It was really yeah, good. Yeah. Now they're doing a queer version yep. of that. Yep. So it feels like this is kind of going to be. It, it feels like it's going to be more prevalent. I mean, yeah. are you seeing that at all? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, and maybe it's just because I just made a queer horror movie, but like when I realized, oh my God, there are so many people that are interested in this. Yeah. You know, there are, there are a lot of horror fans that have been waiting a very long time 
you know, to see themselves in the films that they love, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and people have been coming out of the woodwork, like, you know, I mean, just, just a ton, yeah, which is really exciting. Are you seeing more and more directors who are doing this sort of work? Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, being in L.A., like, for this project, like, there's, you know, there's definitely, like, a little group you know they a lot of them know each other and they you know they're so yeah i mean there there's there's definitely a community i mean it's yeah. not like you know crazy you know hundreds of <laughs> you know it's it's still pretty you know pretty pretty small it's but, like a niche know, yeah yeah how did you find your way into into filmmaking i mean you started as a fashion photographer yeah. and did which some commercial do, work which you still yeah. do yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah was there a way that that kind of triaged itself into you becoming a filmmaker um i had actually wanted to make films before i ever took pictures mm-hmm. and you know the idea of filmmaking was you know this was sort of pre uh camera phone and it was it was kind of like this big you know, sort of unwieldy idea. And I was like, I'm going to pick up a camera first, see how that goes, you know, Mm -hmm. tell stories with pictures. And then I kind of got, you know, sidetracked into this fashion photography world, which I love and has been really good to me. Um, But it was sort of about 10 or 12 years into it. I was, you know, I'd had been working, a, you know, a ton all over the world, and I was like, oh, wait a second, I want to make movies, and I'm specifically, I want to make horror movies. Like, why haven't I done this yet? Um, and I read uh, the short story Bug Crush uh, by Scott Trelevin, um, and you know, I was like, that's my short film that I'm going to make. And and luckily at that point, like, I had hair and makeup and wardrobe and production designers oh, nice. and like cast I mean I had relationships with people that I've been working with on a steady basis for a long time so I was kind of like we're making a movie ready to go <laughs> we're making a movie guys like come along and you know they were all on board so you know we made we made that um, which you know ended up you know kind of doing unexpectedly really well I mean we that's won at Sundance and it got attention from lots of interesting people and that's what led to me getting the ruins Oh, nice. Yeah, because there's a, there's a big debate as to whether or not shorts matter and whether or not directors should do shorts. Yeah. Everybody I've spoken to has done a short. They all say, yes, yeah. Do I mean, that. why would you not do a short? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, because if you're not doing shorts, then what are you doing? Right. Like you're waiting to make features? I mean, I guess you're, if you're making features, then great. Right. <laughs> you know, you, but, but a lot of people that are not making shorts are not making anything. Mm hmm. But in your case, obviously, the short definitely worked out in, yeah. a, in a great way. It did. And it was also like, it was kind of like the best case. I mean, how often does someone make a short and then it ends up like winning at Sunday? Like that doesn't, right. that's, you know, it's not a realistic, uh, <laughs> you know, model to, you know, to right. just sort they of. they could win it. Overlook. They yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It can, it can definitely get some recognition. Yeah. So how did, how did the short lead to you getting the ruins and doing a feature? Um, well, I signed with an agent. And, okay. you know, started going through scripts, you know, they started sending me stuff and, and, um, and they knew I was specifically into horror mm-hmm. and genre stuff. And the ruins was the first script that I got that I kind of fell in love with. And, um, I mean, I think at the time, you know, so I went into, I went into meet DreamWorks mm-hmm. and talk about it. Um, and I was the very first person that they met with and, they were like, okay, you know, we like your short, but, you know, this is a big movie. Like, right. we're going to talk to some people. We'll get back to you. And, you know, over the course of about a year, um, every three months or so, I'd get a call saying, oh, can you come back in and meet with, you know, one more executive? Can you come back in and, and do, you know, one more meeting? This was all about the ruins. It was all about the ruins, yeah. Because they had, I mean, I think, like, 
Polanski wanted to do it for a minute and Demi wanted Whoa. to do it for a minute. Yeah, they had a bunch of like crazy talented filmmakers that flirted with it. Right. You know, but obviously it all, you know, kept falling apart. And then they finally came back and circled around to the very first person they met with, you know, uh, who was me. And they I was, were right the first time. I, I was still so passionate. I was still excited to do the meeting. And, you know, by the time that final meeting happened, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, the seventh time that I'd done that meeting and it was with Spielberg and everybody wow. else that I had met along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, I mean, if that had been the first time that I had done the meeting, I probably would have face planted and bombed, <laughs> but like, because I had done it, you know, did you know of, he was going to be in the meeting? Yeah. That was, yeah. That was the okay. final I knew. Cause that for was, them to spring that on you, that, well, no. that's not fair. No, that would not have been fair. Yeah. Was there anything that you did strategically to kind of stay on the radar of all the executives throughout the course of that year so that you stayed top of mind in the midst of them considering all of these other directors? Uh, I mean, I just, just letting them know you're still interested, still, you know, I'm still here. I still love this movie. Yeah. I still, you know, cause there's not much you can do a lot of times, you know, other than just remind them how passionate you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I feel like there's a lot of filmmakers who get stuck in that production hell, or yes. not even production hell. It's just meeting after meeting about nothing. Yeah, or development hell that like ends up going nowhere. Yeah, yeah. But in your case, I mean, it obviously worked out. But I mean, I I feel like people forget the importance of being top of mind because yeah. people are talking to so many people, not only about other directors potentially directing the project, but they're talking about multiple projects. Yeah, and it's so easy for the project. With that so you're many pitching. different people, and so like on so many different levels. I mean, I think that the one thing that that you know, I had going for me in this particular case was just, I was so passionate about my version of the story and that I was able to somehow convey that in those meetings. So they knew, you know, this wasn't a job for me. This wasn't like Mm -hmm. a, you know, just something I was sort of flirting with or sort of half interested in. Like I think what a lot of other people uh, felt, I, I was like, this is my movie and this is why. Is there a way you were able to convey that to them or was it just you? Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, I did this sort of standard. I put together like a, you know, a presentation mm-hmm. and, you know, had, you know, images and outlines and story notes. And I mean, just the kind of the standard stuff that you do yeah. in those meetings. Gotcha. And what was it like? You shot on location in Mexico, I assume, right? Well, we shot in Australia, actually. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, we built the we built the. Uh, you the, built that Mayan temple. Yeah, we did. Wow. Was there was there any thoughts of going to Tulum or someplace and filming in Mexico? I think that, or that, that, no? No, but like when when I got hired for that movie, we had a release date, okay. and we had we knew we were shooting in Australia. Okay. Um, and that's kind of all that that we knew. But they were those were both set. I think it was tax incentives at the time. Yeah, or, I was gonna say I heard there's a lot of tax incentives yeah, there in were, Australia yeah. and New Zealand as well too. Yeah. Plus with New Zealand, you get incredible production yeah. value. Like everything looks beautiful. Yeah, unless you're trying to make it look like Mexico. <laughs> Perhaps maybe there maybe there's a Mexican corner of New Zealand. Yeah, that must have been difficult. Yeah. How involved were you with production design? Because oh, the yeah. movie looked really good. Yeah, I mean Grant Major, who did all the Lord of the Rings movies, uh, was our oh, production designer. Oh, okay. And I mean good he, man we, he did such an amazing job of creating that right. that that ruin. Um, you know, and of course we had to design what the plant looked like, mm-hmm. which was which was really fun. We spent a lot of like actually the. I think the first day that I went into the production office, uh, DreamWorks was like, okay, we have a research assistant for you. And I was Ooh, like, oh. Just for the okay, plan. Yeah. Well, just, just in general. Just to like help me pull images and nice. plant inspiration and Mayan inspiration. And it means, I mean, it was like, okay. That's cool. I, Welcome to the big I like time, that. baby. I like this studio filmmaking <laughs> thing. This is fun. <laughs> it's really cool. And what was, uh, were there any either major challenges that came with your first feature that uh, you wish you were prepared for? 
Um, I mean, I think that making your first feature is probably the steepest learning curve of anything that you could yeah. possibly do. I mean, just, you know, and that's part of why I think shorts can be so great. I mean, coming from photography and working on sort of advertising shoots and working with a team of creatives, I was sort of used to conveying ideas and collaborating. And I mean, I think that stuff is all super important and you need to make sure you're doing that well. Mm. Um, you know, at the same time as sort of uh, listening to what people are saying, whether it's studio people or producers, and, and sort of figuring out, uh, hearing what they're saying, and then figuring out what they're really saying, and right. then sort of uh, figuring out what to what that's to make of dance. it. Yeah, that's a whole dance as well. Which is, you know, that 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 dance happens in advertising and fashion, and you know, wherever you have clients and you're a creative for hire, that you know, that's always going to be an element of. So in a way, your corporate work helped you prepare for absolutely, Hollywood. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe to a fault. Maybe yeah. I was too good at like listening to notes and like <laughs> you know. I mean, who knows? So, I mean, so there were there were times when I wish like I wish I you know could be like a stubborn filmmaker that just says no, I will right. not do that. But you know, in the end, I'm really happy with the movie. Well, I feel like there's a nuance to what you said about listening to the note and then hearing what they're really saying, and yeah. then kind of instead of taking the note, literally, there's a dance you can do around it where they're still happy and you're. You're still happy yeah. and finding the bridge between them, and because I feel like it's important to pick your battles, particularly with big executives. Yeah, like well, and to like listen to what people say that know what they're talking about. Right, you know that's, what I mean. That's that's, that. that's incredibly valuable too, and it's easy to forget that you know someone who's made a ton of movies before mm -hmm. might have some understanding and knowledge, you know, more so than you know than me coming into this just kind of like wide-eyed and excited. Yeah, yeah. Um, were there any? Because I know the script had already been written for the rooms, yeah. right? Did yeah. you have any input on the script oh, or yeah. anything? Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, because Scott uh, Smith, who wrote the book, The mm -hmm. Ruins, also did the adaptation. No relation, obviously. No right? relation. Okay. No. It is quite a common yeah. last name. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, once, once you sign on as a director, I mean, you usually do like a director's pass. Right. And, I mean, so I did, I worked with Scott quite a bit on the script, you know, just back and forth, like creating new scenes, you know, changing existing scenes, mm -hmm. sort of handling nuance of character, all that kind of stuff. And did it, was it reflective of any, cause I mean, usually horror is typically reflective of uh, the director's actual fears or kind of collective anxieties. Mm -hmm. Was there any of either your own fear that you channeled into that movie, any, or any scary experiences that you'd had abroad or anything like that? Uh, nothing so specific other than, uh, you know, body horror in terms of being a af you know afraid of what can happen to your own body right you know? and i think that that you know that's something that that is in the movie but you know is also just in general in in life that you know it was kind of frightening as someone who sort of grew up in the 80s and right. 90s here in new york like it, you know it was it, it's scary yeah <laughs> or it yeah. can be the effects were great, but who did your effects on that movie? Uh, it was, I mean, it was it was Canby in uh, in L.A. and then we had uh, um, a local house down in uh, in Sydney doing it, or not Sydney, um, uh, Brisbane. Okay, as well. I got it. And then next was Jamie Marks' Dead, which you wrote, as adapted well. from a book. Yeah, oh, you adapted yeah. It there's from a, a novel called One for Sorrow by Christopher Barzak, okay. uh, which I read and fell in love with and adapted. Um, and it's, I mean, and I kind of did it in a flip way. Like I always sort of imagined I would make like a weird little indie mm -hmm. first and, you know, I sort of did it backwards and it was such a different experience. And I mean, obviously a lot more difficult to, you know, to get that 
film up and running, you know? Because <laughs> that was very much your, on your own trajectory, right? Yeah. I mean, somebody didn't hand you that script. You, yeah, you it worked to get that made. Yeah, it's like I, I optioned it, I adapted it. Uh, you know, I, I found producers for it. Like, I, I, I did all of that. And, and I think that that was a sort of traditionally less uh, genre film. Like, it's, you know, it's a ghost story, but it's yeah. not necessarily like a horror film straight right. up. Um, and so there was a lot of, you know, the, I think that, you know, the thing that's great about, about horror is that, there, you know, there's a rabid audience, but, you know, you sort of agree to play by the rules. Right. And then when something is a little bit like horror adjacent, sometimes it can be a little trickier to... Uh, yeah. I feel like those horror adjacent movies, they were so compelling. I yeah. think there's I something... love horror. I mean, that's, I love horror adjacent. It's cool. Yeah. I mean, I love horror, obviously. Yeah, me too. But horror but adjacent, horror adjacent is, right, is right there, too. Yeah. I love the idea of a perfectly normal plot that has one single horror or supernatural element that doesn't exactly make it a horror movie. Yeah. In a way, like horror Jason stuff is cool, or using horror as is kind of for for magical realism or symbolic purposes and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. But Jamie Marks, it felt it had a very intimate and personal feel to it. I'm yeah. curious what drew you to that story. Uh, you know, I mean, I think that I, I grew up in a small town, and I think that you know, there's something about the the sort of the out the sense of other and the outsider and the you know the kind of connecting with. Um, Connecting with that character and that and that sort of that feeling of of not belonging. I mean, that's sort of at the at the heart of the movie, and that's sort of at the heart of the relationship between Adam and Jamie. Right. Um, and you know, I mean, I, when, when I read the book, it felt like, oh, this you know, this was my high school. This right. was my hometown. Like that's it. All felt very familiar to me, but with you know, ghosts and you know, some murder and some violence. You know, I mean, all, all the other stuff that I love. Yeah. And th was this your first? I mean, I'm sure you'd written screenplays in the past, but this was the first screenplay that you'd you'd gotten made yeah. that you'd well, written, mean, right? I wrote Bug Crush. I, oh, okay. I, had, I adapted Bug Crush, and I and I had adapted a couple other mm -hmm. uh, novels before, and I'd written some original stuff as well. So, how do you approach screenwriting? I mean, there's people who have different processes. There's something called a pantser, which is who runs, who writes by the seat of their yeah. pants, meaning they don't outline I've stuff. I've tried both. I've, I I just pants to script and yeah. it's the first time that I'd ever done it before and I was like kind of shocked at how exciting it was because I'm, I'm a real plot like outliner and sometimes I can get caught up in spending too long playing yeah. and pantsing it I was like oh I'm a, you know I'm at page 89 like yeah <laughs> no I've tried both too I've done planning it very compulsively we're like obsessive compulsively with note cards yep. with little details and putting it together and charting it all out and then I hand wrote entire script yeah. it's like I want to see what this feels like it goes so much smoother yeah. I mean, and I it's so much more interesting when you pants it you spend all your time in rewrites you know, whereas if you if you're plotting it, maybe you're spending more time before the writing. Possibly, yeah. But there's something interesting about approaching a screenplay not knowing what's going to happen yeah. yourself, yeah. and just kind of allowing the situations to unfold and the characters to kind of say or do what they're going to say or do. Yeah. I mean, that's said when I when I this this script that I just wrote, I knew what the final scene was, so I knew where I was going, and I think that made it a little easier yeah. than not not knowing what that was. Mm. But I, I haven't figured it out. No. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, just like the screenwriting, it's always hard. Yeah. I mean, for me. Are you are you writing anything right now? Yeah. 
Nice. Yeah. Are you pantsing it? Or are you planning it? Or a I little am, bit of both? I, there's two. I'm doing taking a different approach on each one. Okay, nice. There's, yeah, there's two. So if I get tired of one, I can plop over to the other one. Okay. And do you have any sort of Stephen King level writer process? Like he, for instance, tries to do two thousand words a day. Nothing. You just write nothing, when you can write. Yeah, I write when I can write, and you know, it depends on on what's happening in the rest of my life. I wish that I had the, you know, the the focus to like say, okay, I'm gonna write five pages every day. Yeah. But I don't. That's that. definitely tough. Yeah. yeah. And do you have any sort of way that, I mean, a lot of directors have, in some cases, director books where they, they just ca- kind of capture and catalog a ton of things that they, that they like, that mm-hmm. they, they take inspiration from all sorts of different images or pieces of music yeah. or whatever. Um, I mean, you, somebody who works on such a visual medium in film and in photography, do you have any sort of capture system as a, as a, as a director or photographer? I mean, other than just like at the beginning of a project, I will just pull tons of images and you know, make some sort of a, not even always a like a book. You know, sometimes it's just a you know just a collage type thing that I can have up, and I'll usually make a playlist to listen to obsessively over and over and over and over and over again. Just to kind of instill just that to mood. instill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll listen to like five songs on repeat for you know. Songs that are synonymous with the tone you want to be exactly. in the movie, or that somehow put me in the space of a character's headspace, or you know, some something. It might be different on every, you know, on 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 each project, and it just synthesizes in you naturally, and then it yeah, just well, somehow it, finds it, its it, way. It also, it, it kind of at a certain point, it goes away, and it sort of it it helps to get me. I mean, I think it's like probably, you know, meditation. Like it sort mm. of it becomes, you know, the background, and it sort of takes you to. As soon as that song comes on, I'm. Sort of in that place that I need to be to to write the stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, music is so important when it comes to not just I mean the movie itself, but the the writing process anyway. Yeah. For me, it feels like it's, yeah. it definitely is important. So you've worked with some some significant actors. What yeah. is your? Um, I feel like this is where a lot of directors can get tripped up is working with actors, particularly actors who like Liv Tyler, who are you know intimidating because of their their fame and whatnot. Yeah. But um, were there was there any advice that was given to you, or were there any just through through the course of you directing, were there any other methods for working with actors, or or, or common advice that you have for other directors in terms of how to best work with your actors? I mean, I think that the 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 advice that I would give is just to make sure you're prepared. Because if you come to set and you're not prepared, like an actor, if they sense that, that you'll they'll lose they'll, they'll you lose alive. trust in you, <laughs> and they will like if if I mean you have to know the answer to every single question that any single person on the on the crew or cast is going to ask you, and mm-hmm. and you know it it might not be the right answer, it might not be like but you like if they ask you like you know what color their pants were when they were, you know, I mean, like whatever it is, like yeah. you just, you have to be prepared with an answer. Yeah, and as yeah. long as you have, if you've done the work and if, and if you've done the, you know, the preparation, then I feel like they're usually a lot more willing to, to, to trust you. And how do you best prepare for that when it comes to, uh, I mean, it depends. It depends on how much time, you know, I have to prep. I mean, like on this, on Midnight Kiss, you know, there was very little time to prep. So it was like this fast forward thing. Um, normally, I like to do like a kind of a breakdown script analysis type thing, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I know that one of your questions is like the book or the course that like, yep, so it's so, coming up. Yeah. So but like <laughs> Judith Weston's um, uh, the, the film director's intuition is a book and she I mean it's dense it's not like a light read it's you know it's no save the cat Um, right it's you know but what she lays out is this really detailed script analysis 
method where you take every single scene and break it down you know where each of the characters are what Hmm. you know what each of them wants what the you know and one scene could take you know two hours three hours four hours like it, it can be really it can be as extensive as you want it but if you've done that work beforehand then when you get to set you have all of that knowledge that's you know to use in the in the split second that you have to make a decision. So you just have like a universe of knowledge be- behind every single word in the script. I, I mean, ideally, yeah. If if you've done that for every single, I mean, sometimes I've done it where I've like only did specific scenes. Mm-hmm. You know that I knew were going to be tricky or that were emotionally complicated. You know where I knew that we might need help if we couldn't get what we what we needed to get. What is the book called again? It's the film director's intuition. intuition. This, is it a series of exercises like how to break down your own uh, script? I mean, that's, I think that's, that's part of it. Um, okay, but it's more like a textbook you know oh, right. it's uh but, so it's like but, but part student. of it is uh the you know her process for for script analysis okay interesting y'all have to check that one out it's like sure. a white book with a hand on the cover okay it's great yeah it sounds like it's great did you go to film school by the way no 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 okay cool um is there anything that photography taught you about being a better director yeah i mean what's the thing about photography is like i mean you know, when I take pictures, I like to try to tell stories. And in photography, you have one frame to tell a story. And so you have to, like, everything in that frame has to tell that story. You know, from the color toenail polish to the, you know, the what's on the counter to what's, you know, I mean, every, everything. So, every little so detail. Every detail. So that that became a real asset when it came time, huh. to, you know, to... to tell stories in a bigger palette because I was already looking at, you know, thinking about stuff that, that, you know, was everything that was in front of the camera and everything that was in the frame. Yeah. Yeah. So frame by frame to make sure that every frame tells the story. That's really interesting. And it sounds like it, it, directors should consider taking photos, whether professionally or not. Yeah. But the idea of trying to capture something and putting yourself through the exercise of how do I tell a story in a single frame? Yeah. How do I tell a story without words, without performance, without music, without, you know, without sound effects, without Mm -hmm. visual effect, you know, I mean, just what, you know, what you have and what you put in the frame is, is, you know, such a great place to start. Yeah. And what else are you working on on the photography front or commercial front? Um, I, you know, I mean, I shoot, you know, advertising and, and magazine covers and celebrities and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I do a I do a series of like personal pictures called All the Dead Boys, which mm-hmm. is like oh, what, yeah, I've seen those. which is I wanted to try to teach myself how to do special effects makeup. Oh yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I mean nice. a real, you know, beginner, but like because I'm the one photographing them, I can sort of hide the unblended edges and the shadows <laughs> and you know, I mean yeah, it's sort you of can edit Photoshop the, a yeah, feather at yeah, all. Yeah. I'm not so good at Photoshop, so I actually don't Photoshop, but I just, just by editing and, and sort of, you know, photographing them carefully, I'm able to to do some stuff that looks way better in pictures than it does in real life. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I'm always fascinated by is I feel like a lot of filmmakers Considering how difficult it is, there's always a kind of dark night of the soul where there's a moment where nothing is going right and you're thinking of quitting and for whatever reason you find a way to pull through. Did you ever have a moment like that? Uh, there any I moment mean, that was really discouraging where you were close to quitting and you didn't and that made all the difference? I mean, I've never been close to quitting because I, I like it too much. Like once I got a taste of it, I was like, okay, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna figure this out. Like, yeah, I think that the the thing that can be really frustrating is when you're developing something for a long time that doesn't go like, and you can spend a year, two years. I mean, so and for some reason it falls apart. 
Right. And, and that is pretty soul crushing. But I mean, I think that, you know, what I've done in that situation is just like, okay, start a new project, yeah. you know, like start something else, you know, and, and just, and not that I don't love that thing any less, you know, but it, it sort of becomes like an energy suck, mm-hmm. you know, like it's sort of, you have to, you have to put your energy somewhere fresh in order to, to get past that. Like, yeah, you know, now I feel like we all have those projects, those stories that we've been developing for years. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's a matter of killing your darlings, but as much as it's letting your darlings die, yeah. sometimes you have a project Dies that's just and is not going to, yeah, Death. but it does take up so much, so much energy, yeah. but it's difficult well, to see. And, and I, 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 like, I also started just like really thinking about like, okay, what, what films could I make? Like, re- I mean, you know, really with very, very little and mm-hmm. not need to cast a certain level of actor and, you know I mean? Just, and, and kind of cutting it back to the bare bones and like, what are those stories that I can mm-hmm. fall back on when this other stuff doesn't, you know, doesn't go as planned. Gotcha. What kind of stuff do you want to do next? I really want to do body horror. Yeah. Like a real, like a real good fun one. But I haven't seen a good one in a no, while. I mean, yeah, me neither. Me neither. I haven't seen Rabbit. The Sasuke yeah, sisters either. just put it there. I've been really interested to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I haven't seen, I mean, I guess there's some body horror-ish stuff in Daniel Isn't Real, which was kind of cool. I haven't seen that yet. And I'm, I, I'm pending an interview with Adam. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's good. It's yeah. good. And there's, some good. and there's some good body horror adjacent stuff. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen that yet. There's a bunch I haven't seen this year. Though. Do you, did you have any favorite horror movies this year? There's a uh, lot of good stuff. I mean, now that we're coming up on 2020. Yeah, I climax. Does that count as a horror movie? I didn't see that. Oh my god! I guess it's horror adjacent, so, right? It's it's horror adjacent. It's Gaspar Noe. It right? is horrifying. Yeah, really? It is. Yeah, it is really good and really mm. disturbing. Really? And, you know, but not in a way that that makes you feel dirty for watching. Not it. in an irreversible kind of way. Not in, I need to actually, go to the therapist. Yeah, actually, the not in an irreversible kind of way. That's good. Um, it, in kind of a different way, but it's like. I mean, I think part of what uh, why I love horror and why a lot of people like horror is you're just sort of jonesing for that film that really affects you physically. Yeah, you know, that makes you squirm and makes you sink and makes you jump and make like and you know, there's fewer and fewer films that do that. It's hard to find. And Climax was a movie that I, I would just like I was in my body for days after I saw it. Whoa. Yeah. yeah, I haven't felt that way in so long. I yeah. haven't felt that way very often since, like, the age of... After, like, 19 years old. Yeah. There's very little that I felt. Yeah, they hook us early, and then, and then, yeah. Yeah, and then we build a tolerance to it, and then nothing shocked. The last thing that legitimately shocked me was Martyrs. Yeah. That movie tore my soul yeah. out. Yeah, and that opening was amazing. That breakfast, that was, I mean, that yeah. was, it was that's beautifully done. Pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah, the home. I thought that movie was an absolute masterpiece. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it was just it was some of the most beautifully tragic, horrific kind of monstrosity I've ever seen on camera. Yeah. But it was I artfully think, done. I think you might like climax. All right, I'll check it out. <laughs> I'll definitely check it out. <laughs> What's your favorite of the year? Um, it's tough. I mean. I liked Us a lot. Uh-huh. And I know that's kind of yeah. cliche to say because it's kind of the bigger Hollywood ones. Um, Us was really good. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think I got to go with Us. I think that was really, really good. Yeah, I enjoyed Dr. Sleep a lot, though. Yeah, which I haven't seen yet. It's good. It's just a big... Are you a big Shining fan? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, both of the book and the film. I mean, I, have, you, have you read the book recently? No. So, I've not read the book. Ever? No. Okay, so go back and read the book because... 
that book is it, it just is so clear how masterful Stephen King is at really? telling a story when you read the book. Okay. I, I thought because I, I had read it when I was like in high, you know, junior high school or something. I read it again a couple of years ago, and I was just like, oh. I see exactly what he's doing here, and it's it's working so well. And it, you know, it's, I'm hooked. I'm it's, doing it. It's really, it's really, and it's not like a five thousand page one either. Like it's you know, it's, it's yeah. It's, some of his it's not intimidating. Yeah. yeah, I bought um, what's his big epic? Uh, not the pledge. The stand. The stand. Yeah, yeah. I bought, I bought that. Not realizing how fucking huge it is. Yeah, it's you know well told. I mean, it's it's a great book. All right, yeah. All right, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna check it out. Because after seeing Doctor Sleep, I, I watched The Shining before that, then yeah. saw Doctor Sleep, and then saw the Room Two Three One documentary. Yeah. It's got me really wanting to go back to the source material. Yeah. So yeah, I'll definitely do it. I think Ready or Not may be one of my favorites. Yeah, Ready or Not was really fun. I was surprised at how good that yeah. was. I wasn't expecting it to be that good. Yeah. I just saw it last weekend for the first time, and that ending was. It, yeah, it was really. I like good. where it went in the in the final act. Yeah, like, it was fun. Mm-hmm. And it was it was there were vicious moments of yeah. horror. There was mm-hmm. some really just nasty stuff that happened in that movie. It definitely held its own as a as a as a formidable a horror, horror movie, movie for yeah. sure. But that ending just was. I wanted to applaud. Yeah, that was you know at home. Yeah, alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so you mentioned the the books and resources question. Other than the one that you'd mentioned, was there was there anything else that helped you from a career or creative perspective? Um, I mean, I'm I'm a sucker for all. I mean, I'll I'll read any, you know, book or. Uh, you know, like about screenwriting or story, like, it, you know, to avoid actually doing the work, you know what I mean? Like, that's like, I, I will dip into any like, you know, program formula, you know, yeah, whatever. It feels so yeah. productive, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then finally I'm like, okay, I'm not being productive yeah. in, in, in doing this. So then I'll, you know, eventually get back to the script. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I think that that, you know, that truth, that, that director's intuition book is, yeah. is, is at the top of my list. That was a big one. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Um, so what are you working on next? What are you working on now? Uh, I mean, literally, Midnight Kiss has like just finished, at, you know, days ago. So I mean, yeah. just getting that out into the world, you know, is is sort of like <laughs> the still the most pressing thing. There's, I mean, there's a couple things that I'm working on. Like, I don't really know what's gonna. I mean, I think I find that you have to have two, three, four different projects going at different stages uh, in development just to like, you know, be prepared when one of them. Spark someone's interest who can actually make it happen. Yeah, um, you know. So there's like there's a bunch. Do you have a way? This is a totally geeky question. Do you have any sort of project management protocol for when you're working on multiple projects simultaneously and you have to keep notes from, you have to keep them all kind of moving and on schedule and keep no. the correspondence going? No, I mean I, I I'm I'm a little bit bad with that stuff. I have piles of paper. I've got like lots of open documents. I've got, you know, I mean, it's, I try to keep everything organized by folders, but you know, that, I mean like, you know, digital folders, but that's, but like nothing more advanced than that. Gotcha. Gotcha. (laughs) Really? Yeah. I don't think there are any like key that I found that that works well for me. Okay. Oh, and I forgot to ask when it comes to midnight kiss, is that a real thing? Is that like a real game that people play? The whole idea of the midnight kiss. Oh, I mean, spoiler I, I w- alert. I would, I would assume maybe somewhere someone's playing that game, but like, okay. you know, I mean, everyone can relate to like, you know, wanting to find a perfect midnight kiss, right? Right. That's, whether it's whether it's a game or you know it's a or not, it's it's you know right. it's, it's it's pretty universal. Yep. Yeah. Cool. 
Um, last couple of questions. Were there any big mentors for you throughout the course of you becoming a director or any individual pieces of advice that made all the difference? Um, I mean, I, f- I feel like on, on, on different projects, like, you know, it's funny, working in, in photography and, and the world of fashion, like, my life has been severely sort of segmented. You know, and sort of takes happens on these sort of parallel paths, um, and so, uh, you know, I, I would I would sort of find a mentor on a project or like a person on a project that I trusted or that you know I felt like could really kind of guide the project. But that was more on like a bit by bit basis, as opposed to like right. one per, you know one person that that kind of you know, overarching through the course of, you know, a long, a long period of time. Got it. So you'd find your mentor on an individual project you could turn to throughout the course of production. Yeah. Whether it's a producer or, you know, a DP or, I mean, an editor. I mean, I think you just kind of find, you know, hopefully more than one over the course of a project. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's never been like one person that I would turn to and like, wow, what should, you know, I got you. What do I do here? Um, Got it. I would I would call the answers from all the different people and then <laughs> try, try to figure out what what to do from there. Right, and then you you pick apart the answers and figure out which one make the most sense. Yeah, makes sense. Gotcha. Well, cool. Carter, this was this was a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Any uh, parting advice for those aspiring directors out there? Mm, I would say find a story that that you will die if you can't get the chance to tell it. And preferably like a really small, intimate story that doesn't cost a lot of money to make. Awesome. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> if, that, cause if, that, if, you, if you're that passionate about that whatever story it is that you find, then you will find a way to make it. Nice. Awesome advice. Thank you again. Yeah, thank you. All right. Really had a great time with that conversation. So now, as always, here's a summary of key takeaways for aspiring horror directors from this conversation with Carter Smith. Number one, remain on the radar. Hollywood is a business where producers and executives are bombarded with multiple projects, timelines, people, meetings, and concepts simultaneously at all times, nonstop. In other words, they're some of the busiest people in the world. And if you're lucky enough to be in an active conversation with them about a project, it's unfortunately very easy for them to forget about you. Therefore, you have to find a way to remain on their radar. When Carter was being considered to direct The Ruins, his first feature-length project, DreamWorks, the studio behind it, was speaking to a ton of other directors, including huge names like Roman Polanski. This was Carter's first feature-length film, so to remain on their consideration list, Carter sent short but sweet emails to remind the producers that he was still very interested and passionate about the project. I'm willing to bet nobody else did that. Carter obviously got the project. The big lesson here is that as important as talent may be, being top of mind is critical when it comes to getting movies made. If you're in conversations with busy executives, find a way to remain in touch with them without being annoying. Number two, prep for your actors. 
Carter's directed a number of significant actors, including Liv Tyler, and his key for giving them what they need to serve their performance is simply intense preparation. This seems like a given, but a lot of directors fail to do the more comprehensive development work required to accurately build a world and build a multi-dimensional character. When directing, you need to know everything there potentially is to know about your characters, so if certain questions come up, you'll either have the answer or have a way to find it. This kind of comprehensive prep work may sound extremely daunting, but Carter recommends using the book The Film Director's Intuition, Script Analysis and Rehearsal Techniques by Judith Weston. It's a thick read, but offers an incredible amount of insight about uncovering the material you'll need to serve your actors through a series of exercises. Carter was even gracious enough to send me a copy of this book, and at first glance, I'm loving it. The list of quotes from directors and actors alone is worth the price of the book. This is highly recommended. Again, that's The Film Director's Intuition, Script Analysis and Rehearsal Techniques by Judith Weston. Carter, thank you again for the copy. Number three, take up other arts that will serve your filmmaking. Carter is a professional fashion photographer and has been for years before he even began directing. He states that the photographer's eye that he developed helped him tremendously as a director because it forced him to find a way to tell a story in a single frame. If you can tell a story in one frame, imagine what you can do with 24 frames per second. Think about what arts you can take up that will serve your directing. Anyway, guys, thank you as always for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you shared it with your friends and family on social media. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at I'm Nick Taylor. That's I am Nick Taylor. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Thanks again for listening to the Nick Taylor Horror Show. Yeah.